Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Okay, wonderful. Well, why don't we gather back together, turn your attention this way. Um, You might think it just buys me a few seconds to sort myself out and take a couple of deep breaths and things like that. But actually, what, what, what you just did was actually an incredibly profound thing. Um, you actually see right the way through the New Testament, whenever Paul writes letters, he always writes a greeting. Um, I mean, Paul is very personable. He writes greetings to people. He encourages them. He welcomes them. Um, and very often, at the end of his letters, um, he writes specific greetings to specific people. Um, and as much as we gather together as the church on a Sunday, um, we gather to one another. And actually what you find is, actually in more traditional church settings, they actually have a period in the service where you turn and you greet one another. You actually, you, you actually turn to one another and you say, peace of the Lord be with you, peace of the Lord be with you. It's all very formal. Um, but actually it comes out of a very profound, deep sense of longing and, and heart connection for one another. Um, so I just want, I just, I, I, I don't know, I just felt God kind of prompt me with that. That just kind of, it's, it's, it's quite profound what we do. Even in those small moments, even when you turn up to church and you have those chance conversations, even when you're grabbing a tea or coffee and you accidentally nudge someone, ho, 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 all of that. You know, all of the, the, the funny things that you do, the weird things that connect with one another. It's so important. It's so important. The way that we love one another, the way that we engage with one another, the way that we speak to one another, it demonstrates a love, it demonstrates a care, it demonstrates an honouring um, of one another. Anyway, um, that, that's, 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 we'll be here all morning for Karen like this, but um, we're, <laughs> we're going to get into our topic this morning. Um, so if you missed it, my name's Rich, um, a very warm welcome, one of the leaders here um, at Rev, and we've been working through a series um, over the last couple of months looking at our vision as a church. What is it that God has called us to? And today, um, I want to speak almost by way of kind of follow-up um, to what Steph shared last week, um, kind of if you like a, a, a follow-on or, or a part two almost um, of what Steph opened up um, to us last week about what it means for us to be a resourcing church, um, about what it means for us to resource um, beyond the four walls of Rev, to be a church that sends gifts, that sends people, that sends ministry um, to bless people outside um, of our locality and all that that means. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get into it. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, we, we thank you that we gather around you. And Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, we are a bunch of people in a room that otherwise probably would never have met or may never have come into contact with. Maybe one or two chance conversations or meetings. But Lord, there's a profoundly deep thing that you're doing as you're joining hearts across the church. Lord, as you're joining uh, hearts one to another, centered around you. And Lord, we do. We look to you this morning. And Lord, we want to exalt your name. We want to make much of you. We want to make much of you and all that you do through us. Lord, we're just your vessels. And so, Lord, would you come? Would you use me this morning? Would you use us, Lord? Would we sit under your word? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, So last week, Steph shared um, some wonderful testimonies, some incredible testimonies um, of what God has done through us as a church um, and how uh, 
he's used our, our little efforts um, to essentially bless and encourage and inspire um, people outside of Rev um, in various different forms, whether that's listen, people listening to the sermons online or whether that's uh, people being released from Rev, being um, uh, sent by Rev, being blessed as they go, um, and they themselves becoming leaders and carrying something of who we are into those church settings and becoming leaders in those churches and, and, and leading ministries and, and, and impacting different cities and places and towns um, for the gospel, or whether that's just even giving, um, like we did in our special offering, giving to ministry um, that blesses, giving um, out of the generosity that Malcolm was talking about, the generosity out of what God has given us, and then being able to bless ministries in turn and see the fruitfulness um, continue and see those ministries then go on to have an impact um, in all sorts of nations, in all sorts of contexts. Um, and God is doing an incredible thing, incredible thing um, with us, for which we give such an uh, amazing thanks. It's so important to be thankful um, on the journey. You can often lose sight of, of the thankfulness of what we're doing, um, uh, but it's so important that we remain thankful. And Steph finished last week uh, by helping us to reflect um, a little bit. And if you remember, it was quite a, a, a somber moment, helping us to reflect on, on, on what does it mean to be a resourcing church, on, on the cost of being a resourcing church. Um, the cost of perhaps letting certain things go, or even sometimes having to let people go. The, the, the cost of having to release people to the plans and purposes of God. And I expect many of us in the room, if you stop and think about it, there have been many dear, dear, dear friends that we've had to say goodbye to over the years. And there's a cost associated with that. Now, part of that is just being a London church. Uh, being a church in a city um, like London, um, where in one sense we're a very local church, North Central London, Camden Islington, that's our patch, um, if you like. We're also a very international church because we live in an international city. People come from all over the world to live here, and they may only come for a short season, and they, they're, they're here and they serve for a while and then they're gone. And I can think of many people that have been here, been here for a season. They've sown in, they've given, they've just poured themselves out and then they're gone. And God moves them on and they're on to different things and they're pressing in um, to new things. And I wonder if the fact that we're part of, based in Central London, whether that's part of this calling on us to be a resourcing church. And it's often in these moments where we feel that, that, that pinch, where we feel the cost, where we feel uh, the pain of that, that actually God begins to speak. And he begins to reshape vision. He brings, begins to bring back into focus some of the things that he's spoken over us as a church. Um, and he begins to confirm something of his heart and his plan for what we're doing. And so we're going to continue in this vein, and we're, and, and we're going to look at the next, well, the same second part, if you like, of this part of our vision, um, where our vision is, and there we are, is to be 300 spiritually big people, um, that we would be a resourcing church that blesses the wider body of Christ with gifts, people, and ministry, and that we would be a, a church, blah, 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 and that we would be a church that plants churches across North London, postcode by postcode. And then finally, the fourth element, that we would be a church that plants across the cities and nations of the world. 
And so today we're actually going to be looking at kind of like um, that, that the, almost the second half of that resourcing. Almost a, a, a reigniting or recommissioning um, of, of the, the vision that God has birthed in us. And I feel like there's quite a few things that are coming together prophetically over the last kind of few weeks or so that just kind of dovetail here. Um, and so I'm just going to work through essentially three words um, and, then, and then we're going to get into our um, passage today. Um, and the first word, God, God's been speaking to me um, for, for, for quite a number of weeks now about the story of Elijah. Um, and it, it's kind of really been brought home to me in the last week, if you like. And God's been um, speaking about Elijah. And in 1 Kings 19, um, you can turn there in your Bible, it won't come up on the screen. But in 1 Kings 19, we see that Elijah reaches a bit of a moment of despair. He reaches this moment where he heads out into the wilderness and he's like, Lord, I'm done. Just, just kill me off. Just move. Like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And uh, he's in a place of real anguish. Um, he's fearful. He's on the run. Um, and he's at kind of a real low moment. And to be honest, I've always really struggled to try and understand why. Because if you look at 1 Kings... Uh, the, first, the previous two chapters, in chapter 17, um, Elijah's prophesied that it wouldn't rain. There'd be a drought for three years. And it didn't rain. There's a drought for three years. And then um, he, he heads off to a place called Zarephath, and he meets a widow. And then God just provides miraculously for this widow that she can care for Elijah. And then, this is all in chapter 17. And then the widow's son dies. So Elijah goes in. And he prays for the son, and he gets resurrected, gets brought back to life. And then we move in chapter 18. Chapter 18, if you've ever read it, is this, is this showdown of all showdowns, where basically Elijah confronts Ahab, then he confronts the prophets of Baal, and he literally calls on God to rain down fire from heaven to burn up his offering. And he does that. At the end of chapter 18, he then prays for rain. Bearing in mind, it hasn't rained for... Um, three years, he prays for rain, and it rains. And then in chapter 19, Jezebel threats Elijah, and he runs off. He's in the wilderness. He says, God, I can't do this anymore. I think, hold on a minute. What, the last three years, I mean, if I'd had a track record like that for three years, I'd be pretty like, you know, let's go for this. Like, bring it on. But he doesn't. And I think his testimony just to the humanity of the man that in that moment, just the sheer desperation on him. He says in, in verse 4 of chapter 19, it is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And then what we see in chapter 19 is actually God reveals himself to Elijah. He takes him, he take, he takes him on a bit of a journey, and then he reveals himself. First, he reveals himself through a strong wind, like a hurricane. And he reveals himself through an earthquake. And, and, and he reveals himself through fire. And all of these things, he's, he's just displaying his power. He is the Almighty. And then at the end of all of that comes a low whisper. And it's in that whisper that God begins to speak to Elijah. And in that moment, he commissions Elijah afresh to then go and anoint kings, to go and anoint prophets, to go and to pass on the baton to those that are going to come after him. You see, he's not done with Elijah. He calls him to then go and finish 
the work that he started in him. And so when we were brought to this place of reflection last week, considering all of the people that may have gone or the, or, or the plans um, that, that God may be working out, and we kind of sat there going, well, I feel like a bit of a, I feel like I'm the last one in the room. <laughs> I feel like people are gone and I'm still here. And, and the cost is painful. It may be that we feel the pain of that, and we maybe feel a little bit like Elijah, even having looked at all of the miraculous things that God's done over the years, how he's opened doors, how he's made provision, how he's um, uh, stirred people to plant churches, how he's, he's, he's healed people, how he's done incredible things over these years. And yet you, you arrive at something like Sunday and go, wow, the cost of this is real. And I believe it's in that moment that God wants to speak to us and recommission us and reignite something of our vision and passion for, 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 for this resourcing church. To be, a, to, to be a church that releases people, that releases gifts, that releases ministry into all that God has called us to beyond Revelation Church and beyond London. The second, the second, the second uh, prophetic thing that I felt is, is at the beginning of the week, um, I had a picture of um, just like, uh, I, I had a picture of us as a church standing there and, and just wind blowing through. And... Um, the wind was blowing through and it was blowing away loads of cobwebs where we just maybe just felt a bit kind of stuck. God was just blowing away cobwebs. Um, and, uh, and, and this wind was blowing away the cobwebs, but it was also adding stuff to us. It was like we were there with our hands out and the cobwebs were being blown away and things were then being blown into our hands, like tools were being blown into our hands. And often wind in the Bible is, is used to describe the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, what he comes to do, what he comes um, to do. And I really feel like even today, God wants to equip us as his people, just as he blows through us, as he blows out some of those cobwebs, um, and as he brings us out of some of that, um, that, 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 that sense of feeling the cost and the pain um, of, of where we're at, that actually God wants to begin to add to us. God begins to want to give us fresh vision, fresh tools, fresh um, appetite for all that he's called us to. And then lastly, there was a prophetic word that came at the end of praise and prophecy last week, Sunday evening. And there's two elements to the prophetic word. And one um, was that, that it was a reminder for us that our calling as a church is to reveal Jesus. And this person, they had, a, they, they had a picture of a lighthouse light that was revolving, and it was just spinning around in the darkness, and it was shining out into the darkness. And the light that was being shone out was like a figure of a person, it was like a figure of Jesus. And we're called to be a shining light in the darkness. And secondly, um, uh, that the, 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 the second part to this word uh, was that where some of us um, may feel like something of a remnant or something of what's left behind um, with, with people having gone and moved on and all of that sort of thing, um, that perhaps there was, there was a heaviness. There was just a, a, a kind of weariness that was weighing us down. And I think that's, that's if you look at where, where, where God brought us to last week, um, that's, I think you know, you'd probably say, yeah, there was a heaviness. But actually, the, 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 the heaviness wasn't so much a heaviness of despair or pain or loss. It was a heaviness 
with what God had given us. It was a heaviness with some of the things that God had put in our hands. And it just, and, and kind of to have these words kind of come together, I was just like, wow, like God wants to do something with us. God wants to entrust something into our hands so that that heaviness is not despair, but that weightiness is to remember the calling that he's placed on us, the gifts that he's put inside of us and all that he would do through us. And so um, we're going to pick up on this, particularly this theme of light, being like that lighthouse with a revolving light that just shines Jesus out into the darkness. And so we're going to pick up um, in John 1, and we're going to read from 1 through to 14. But this idea of light is a very, very biblical idea. Light being shone into the darkness. It's used throughout the Bible um, to describe, if you like, the contrast between being without God in darkness and being with God in the light. And John picks up on this at the beginning um, of the Gospel of John. And we'll read it from verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the word. And John makes this connection. He connects Jesus to the word, describes with the word, with the life that is in Jesus, the life that he's come to give, which is the light of men. And so John makes this point that Jesus is the light that brings life. Now, this is really important because the Bible describes the world without Jesus as being in darkness. And you see right back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve first turned away from God and they rebelled against him, it's like a darkness that comes over creation. In fact, Jesus even said... um, of himself in uh, John chapter 12, verse 46. He said, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And he did this at the cross where he brought all of that darkness, all of that sin, 
the Bible describes it, all of that rebellion against it, he bore that in his body. And when we repent of sin, when we turn away from sin, from doing things in our own strength, from, from if you like, groping around, trying to figure things out in the dark, it's light coming into our very hearts. And all of a sudden, you can see. And you can see where we've been living in darkness, the light shines in. And I believe that's what God wants to do. He wants to shine the light in and he wants to reawaken certain dreams and vision in people. And if you're not a believer, he wants to shine the light in that you might come to him. That you might come and put your trust in him. Now it might be that if you're not a believer here, you might think, well, you know, you might look on the surface of it, you've got it all together and everything's working out. And if you're honest, um, but if you're honest with yourself, where does this end up? Where, 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 where does all that you're putting in place, where, do, what are you, where you're investing in, where, where does that end up? Maybe you've even convinced yourself that you've got handling things, but actually underneath it, there's no assurance. You've not surrendered your life to Christ. Well, God wants you to come so that he can shine his light into your heart and expose with the light all of the good and the bad, the gory details of our lives, not so that you can be shamed, so that you can bring it to him. You see, when Jesus reveals things in our lives, we've got a choice. We've got a choice. He's, he's not going to force anybody into a decision. But when things are revealed, we have a choice to come and bring all of those things before him and lay them at his feet. And the incredible thing is that as we lay them down at his, his feet and as we surrender those things, as we say, Lord, I'm giving these things to you, we can actually walk away from them. Because Jesus picks up all of that darkness, all of that mess, and the consequence of all of that, he worked out on the cross and he bore it in his body on the cross. So that we can come to him, so that we can then begin to live in the light. You see, it doesn't stop there though. Jesus is the light of the world and he's come to shine in the darkness. It says that the true light has come giving light to everyone. And then in verse 9, it says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To be honest, for me, that would be enough. Jesus, I, like, now that I'm your child, that's, a, that's amazing. That is incredible. That is wonderful. That is, that, 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 that is beyond my understanding, that all of my history, all of my past, all of my shame, all of my disgrace, all of the things that I am least proud of, that Jesus would come and deal with them on the cross, that I can go free. Wow. And yet there's more. It says, as children of God, we now have the right to live in the light. Of God's life. The darkness now, now, now has no hold over us. 
that as such, we can then be image bearers. We can represent God on the earth. What an incredible gift that we've been given. That not only does Jesus deal with our sin and our shame and our mess and our muck, but actually he also equips us. That actually also shines his light into us that we might shine, that we might radiate his presence to those around us. Let's have a quick look in um, Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, verse 13 uh, to 16, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, those that are the, the, his followers. And he says to them from verse 13, um, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's foot. In verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see that? Jesus, the light, says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. All of those that are followers of Jesus, those that have accepted Jesus' death on the cross and his life in exchange for the punishment of our sin, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Not that there's necessarily anything special, right? But it's a light that he's put within us that then emanates out, that radiates out to the world around us. In fact, Paul reiterates this idea when we get to um, his letter to the Corinthians. Uh, Corinthians uh, 2. Actually, I don't think it will come up. Um, but Corinthians 2, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said... For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. Remember, we were in darkness. Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You see this picture of a lighthouse with that figure of Jesus just rotating round and round as it, as it, as it bursts out into the darkness, as it pierces the night sky, as it, as it shines in the midst of fog and whatever else. In the midst of all of that is actually God's glory being shone through us. What a picture. What a picture. But what actually is this light? It can feel a little bit kind of metaphorical, right? Somewhere out there that this light is shining to those around us. Um, and maybe if you've been a Christian for a number of years, you might have done some study or exploration around what light represents and all of that sort of stuff. But to be honest, even from the passages that I've just read, um, the light, if you like, is two things. The light, we know from John 1, um, chapter, uh, from John chapter 1, verse 4, that the light is the life of Christ. That Jesus 
Jesus' life living inside of you, the life that you now live in him, is that light. And it shines into the darkness. We also then know from Matthew 5, where he tells us we are the light of the world. The light in us, it reveals good works. It reveals good works. And those good works are to be on display for others to, to, to see them, observe them, and be able to then give glory to God as a result. In fact, we have a very similar verse in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 10, where, it's t- um, where Paul writes, he says, um, we're his workmanship and created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. You see, when we think about good works, it's not about now striving to do these good works. Now that God's put his light into me, now I've got to try and do these good works. Now I've got to try and do, do all of these things and, and, and make sure that I'm praying four hours a day and reading my Bible for three hours and you know all of that sort of stuff. We haven't now got to strive for anything because God's prepared these good works beforehand. Our responsibility is to walk in them. And we walk in them through obedience to him. We walk in them by letting him lead us. And as we do that, we will begin to walk into these good works. And so when you think about this in the context of being a resourcing church, as we're blessing and we're sending and we're giving um, gifts, ministry, people, as we're giving these things out, God's already prepared beforehand what we're going to do. Right? We haven't now got to think down and strategize, well, how are we going to work this out? How are we going to make this? Now, there's helpful things that we can do to help us get there, but God has prepared these things beforehand that we would walk in them. So to bring it right back to our vision, that we would be a resourcing church, this is, this is incredibly biblical. This is incredibly, um, this is amazing. To embrace the fullness of God's work in us, to embrace the light of life at work within us, actually prepares, blesses people beyond the walls of Revelation Church. Our job and our responsibility is to be releasing, to be generous, to not shy away, to be bold in what we're doing, to be intentional with what God's given us, to be deliberate in all that God has placed in our hearts. And it may be that you're thinking, well, I don't really know what I have to contribute to this. It may be that at the moment, that light just feels like a little flicker, a little candle that at any moment could just be snuffed out. But you know it says that a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. That tiny light is not going to snuff it out. What God does is he, is he takes that flame and he nurtures it. And, 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 he, and it grows and begins to fan into flame this light that radiates out. Maybe all you've got really is, is, is some prophetic words that God's spoken over you. 
And you, you, you've been wrestling with them over the years. And there's some unrealized potential. Maybe even some disappointment with some of those words having not come to fruition. I want to say two things. When God speaks to people, and it's often confirmed from several different places, when God speaks, there's a period of weighing. We don't just throw our lot in. The Bible tells us to weigh prophecy. God, is this really from you? And that takes time. Is this really, God, what you've put in my heart? Am I really going to lay hold of this for all that you've got for me? The second thing is to practice, to begin stepping out in some of those gifts. That maybe even this morning, some of the gifts that God gives us, some of the vision, some of the hope, some of the dreams, some of the things that he births in you today, may one day be a blessing to those beyond the walls of Revelation Church, that we might be a resourcing church. But we can all carry the breadth of what God is doing. We can all, if you like, sign up to this saying, we want to be a resourcing church. One of the key ways we do that is to pray. And this week marks the start of Lent, as Malcolm uh, just shared. And, and, and over this Lent period, um, I love the fact that people were more excited about pancakes than Lent, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll get there. But over this Lent period, um, I, I like pancakes just as much as the next one, um, but over this Lent per- period, we really want to be investing in prayer. We really want to be seeking God together. And so some of our GCs would be working through uh, Mike Betts's book, The Prayers of Many, um, and, and, and at our weekly prayer meetings, um, we're going to be praying into some of the things that God's given us um, as a church. Steph's going to be sharing videos with a theme for each week that we can be praying into, that we can be leaning into God to, that we can be seeking God together for. And just to reiterate that invitation, come and pray with us. Come and pray at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Get here 20 minutes earlier, half an hour earlier, however many minutes earlier it is. Come and pray with us. Come and pray on Tuesday at 7 o'clock in the morning. Eight Greenland Street, if you need the address. I know what you're thinking. 7 a.m., but I'm not a morning person. Trust me, I'm with you. I'm not a morning person. It takes me about half an hour to wake up and get into a prayer meeting. I'm getting better as I get older. I'm learning. I'm growing. But that's the reality of who we are. Is our bodies are weak. <laughs> our bodies are frail. We need sleep. I need sleep. But it's an investment. It's a statement of intent. It's saying, God, I'm believing that what you've spoken over us as a church, I'm believing that you're going to do it. And I don't, we, we don't invite you to come and pray because, you know, prayers, what we've got to do, da, 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 da. We invite you to come and pray because we fundamentally believe that Jesus builds the church. He leads us. And if he leads us, prayer is a tool and a vehicle that he's given us to find out what he's saying. 
And if we're not praying and we're not engaged in that dialogue and we don't know what he's saying, then we get lost. So come and pray. Because <laughs> I haven't got the answers. <laughs> come and pray because I haven't got a solution for what we're going to do next. I need to lean into the Lord. I need to pray. I need to come to him and say, God, where are we going next? What's the next step? We've got this wonderful vision. But I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How are we going to do this? You've birthed something in us and now we want to lay hold of it that we would step into the fruit of it and see the fulfillment of it. To come and pray with us. And so um, to bring us back to um, these prophetic words that I shared right at the beginning in that story of Elijah. The wind of the Holy Spirit blowing out the cobwebs away and blowing into our arms tools, equipment that we would need for the journey. Tools. Maybe it's, maybe it's even just um, projects or dreams or, or, or businesses that God's just birthed in your heart. And you say, no, I want to lay a hold of this. I want to step into this. Maybe it's spiritual gifts that you know God's put inside you. And that just that word about our arms kind of being outstretched and, not, and feeling the weightiness, not necessarily the weight of, 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 of despair, but the weight of hope, the weight of expectancy, the weight of our calling and what God is going to do through us. And maybe it's like Elijah. The interesting thing about Elijah is in 1 Kings 19, Elijah comes and he's basically, and even God passes by all this power and then God speaks in this small voice to him. And Elijah just goes, do you know what? I, I can't do it. And do you know what God says? God, God, God says to him in 1 Kings 19. He says to him, verse 15. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. <laughs> God doesn't entertain it. God says, go. I've got more for you to do. Go back. And that's not, to, that's, not, that's not to be harsh. God completely understands. But, got, but God has just revealed himself in his power and his glory and then has just spoken a commissioning word to Elijah. So why don't we stand together? And why don't you just, where you are, why don't you just lift out your hands? There's not anything super spiritual about our hands. It just demonstrates an openness. It demonstrates a wanting to receive from God. It demonstrates a, a, a it, dem it demonstrates an invitation for God to come and speak. And I do, I do believe in this moment, I do believe that God wants to reignite passion for some of the dreams that he's put in people. And he wants to deal with some of the difficulty, some of the, 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 the pain that we might be feeling. Coming out of that weighty season, having felt the cost of being a resourcing church.
I just feel God wants to speak by a small voice to people across the room. And he wants to birth fresh vision in you. Why don't we just take a second, just close your eyes, and just begin to invite the Lord to come. Just begin to invite the Lord to come and speak to you. I just feel like um, I feel like there's just just across the room, um, there like certain certain people's hands are just getting they just feel a little bit like sticky, almost like your palms are sweating. Um, I get it because I'm scared of heights. When I go up high, my palms start sweating, and you can just feel it even now, um, just on just 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 on your hands. Um, I want I want I want to ask you to do something really brave. Um, if that is you, I just want you to stick your hand in the air. Because I feel in particular God wants to speak to you in this moment. If you are near somebody uh, that's just raised their hand right into the air, why don't you just lay a hand on their shoulder? And before you start praying for them, just take a moment to ask God what it is that he would say for them. For the rest of us, let's just stay in this place. If you've got your hand on somebody's shoulder, feel free to just start praying for them. Just sharing any prophetic words that God gives you for them. Any insight or word of knowledge that God might have for them. Just begin to bless them. I feel like God wants to speak to... um, I I feel like God particularly wants to speak to those um, that are called to be fathers. And I don't just mean uh, physical dads. There's a number of dads in the room. But you know, over the years, God's spoken to you about being a spiritual father to others. Providing that spiritual fathering to other people. Um, And if that's you, I'd like you just to raise your hand as well. Again, if you're near somebody that's just raised their hand, just lay a hand on their shoulder. And before you start praying for them, just ask the Lord, what is it that you'd say to them in this moment?
I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace to us. Lord, we thank you that you come, Lord, and you, you pour your light into us, that, Lord, we might radiate and shine your light to the world around us. And, Lord, we just thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your kindness. Lord, we thank you that you ever shone your light into our hearts. And, Lord God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with vision. Lord, even where there are words or things that we're holding on to, Lord, I pray, would you fan them into flame? Lord, I pray as we, as, as we walk out of this room, as we pray about these things over the next few days and weeks, as we bring them to you in prayer, Lord, we pray, would you fill our vision for all that you would do through us? Lord, that we would grow into maturity as a resourcing church. Lord, that, that, that it wouldn't just constantly feel like give, 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 give. But Lord, as we give, every time we give, we get bigger. Oh, the contradiction. Every time we give, we get bigger. Lord, that you would mature us. Lord, that you would fill us with gifts of faith in this room. Lord, that you would fill us with gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge. Lord, that you would equip us with the tools that we need to accomplish what's on your heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.